0: you get off on the weird monsters halloween horror you've heard of word porn car porn earth porn now prepare yourself for monster porn is this really a good idea weird fiction and horror podcast created by the backwards hat guy matt cummins
1: are you trying to teach psychic powers to animals
0: puggles the abomination trapped in the body of an adorable teacup piggy And myself, lead occultist, Brett Norwood.
1: Today's story is, Pasturists, We Will Be Changed, by Brett Norwood. Good day, Monsterbaters. Welcome to Monster Porn. The monster porn that doesn't get you stiff in the body, but in the heart. Sometimes in the body. To each his own. I'm Matt, and this is Brett. Good day, Monster baiters. We've got something serious to discuss with the state and future of the podcast. But first, we'd like to direct your attention once again to the graphic novel, Mr. Guy, Zombie Hunter, from our friends at Oneshi Press. Brett?
0: Mr. Guy, Zombie Hunter is funding right now on Kickstarter. It's an irreverent horror comedy. If you listen to this show and you read comics, we think you'll enjoy it. I just backed it. Here's their spot.
1: Mr. Guy Zombie Hunter is a delicious zombie apocalypse caper of ridiculous proportions. Our reluctant half-goblin hero, Mr. Guy, explores a smattering of zombie apocalypse tropes trying to find the cure. Each chapter is paired with a different illustrator giving this ongoing story rich variations in flavor to keep the reader turning them zesty pages. We're kickstarting act one of Mr. Guy from July 1st to the 31st along with Oneshi Press's 10th comics anthology, Origins. For more information, visit Mr. Guy comic.com
0: check out mr guy zombie hunter now funding on kickstarter the link is in the description
1: all right so brett you took a deep dive into our stats this week and you found something very interesting uh but first i want to kind of talk about how we've been looking at the stats over the last uh year and a half or so um so last well i guess year it seems like much longer but uh we had a really good summer. We were gaining a ton of subscribers, and listens were just going up and up and up and It felt like we were kind of on this this j curve. We were going to go to one of those places with like a feedback loop that podcasts always hope to get into where their their growth is kind of uh kind of caused by their growth um and It really felt like we were getting to that place um and then suddenly, almost inexplicably, things started to reverse um we weren't getting any more like we weren't getting harsh criticism or any kind of negative feedback uh we just think like our listens just started to decline but it happened in an interesting moment it was it was right right around halloween which is usually our big busy season things just kind of dipped a little earlier um the previous year we had done our probably our strongest time uh, was the week of Halloween. I mean, we're a horror and weird fiction podcast, so that would make sense. So this this year uh, or this last Halloween season, things kind of peaked a little bit earlier, um, and so it was just kind of like, oh yeah, we had a little bit of a disappointing Halloween season, and then things started going down a little bit as far as listens and downloads. Um, I mean, however you want to classify those, um, but. It was noticeable, but I was like, okay, well, we're just shifting into the off-season, which made sense that things would slow down a little. Um, But that continued to happen, and it didn't make sense with the previous trajectory we had been on. I mean, we ran ads online. Everything we had been doing previously that had been working and working well for us suddenly didn't seem to be working, and the oddest part of all of it uh, and what made it actually more difficult to to narrow down was that it was specifically happening in iTunes from the data that we could get. Uh, so other markets were kind of growing slightly, but iTunes had been almost 80% of our listens uh, early on, and and that began decreasing steadily. It didn't all disappear at once, but specifically in iTunes, our listens started dropping at kind of a... Consistent rate over the last nine months.
0: That's right, Matt. But I can't help but feel you're almost underselling it. One of the theories we had was that it was just a seasonal downturn, and it came earlier than we expected, because we had been a little slow through our first winter. But this was very consistent and very quick, and it felt different. Um, but that was one of our theories. That it was just a seasonal downturn. Unfortunately, over time, that theory didn't bear out. We tried all sorts of different hypotheses and we hoped that we'd stumble upon something that we could do differently or fix that would regain some of what we lost. So, through spring and summer of 2019, through maybe a period of five months or so, we basically doubled our listenership. But a strange thing happened in October we saw our amount of subscribers roughly stay the same uh, which we can infer through immediate downloads of a new episode that level was basically the same but what changed is our daily random discovery on any given off day Uh, those numbers started to decline and declined more and more through the winter and spring and almost without interruption with only a few few little upstrokes to the present
1: yeah, and that's what was odd is that initially uh it was hard to kind of discover because during the Halloween season and before that we'd been doing a lot of uh bonus episodes and extra content and all these things that kind of uh on the charts that we would be able to see. Um you, you would you would see you know, more frequent spikes. And then when we went into that slower season, we slowed down a little bit too, just to doing our bi schedule. Um But some of the yeah, some of the numbers in between the episode releases uh were just a little bit lower a little bit lower and the the numbers began to drop off and again specifically in iTunes things like Spotify and and any of the other platforms were were still like slowly growing but we've always had more success in iTunes um so it was it was kind of hard to to figure out at first but we kept talking about it and and I kept telling Brett um it was like it felt like it was something outside of our control where we weren't going to be able to make any changes to the podcast or do anything that would pull it. I mean, it just felt like there was something going on, some something to do with iTunes and our discoverability within iTunes uh, that was hurting our daily traffic. But the problem was there was just no way to diagnose, or at least we thought, no way to diagnose what was happening. It just seemed... Like, there was just, there was something going on slowing us down, and we had no idea what it was.
0: That's right. Like I said, we had many theories about what it was. We tried lots of things, but nothing really turned it around, and it's been like nine months now. And every month, we see those Apple Podcast listens go down by another small margin. Now, this last week, it occurred to me that, believe it or not, we had never actually gone into our stats for the month of October and really tried to pin it to a specific moment. We always looked at it at the level of the month, which didn't really tell us anything other than in October things changed. Uh, And part of that just had to do with the different theories that we were coming up with about this. We didn't think it was something that was uh, like the the quick flip of a switch. We were thinking it was just like a seasonal trend or uh, market variation with the Halloween season. so, I went into our stats for October this last week and compared different time periods within that month. Now, I'm going to post this in an article on our website, monsterpornpodcast.com, if you're interested in the details. Um, but what I found is that we had, we had two releases in the month of October. The first was on the 14th, and the second was on the 28th. We also had one right at the end of September. So this basically divided the month into two halves, uh, hinged around that release on the 14th. And I looked at the period from the day after our last September release up to the day before our October 14th release. And I compared that to the day after the October 14th release to the uh, day before the release at the end of the month. Basically looking at the two halves of the month, controlling for our spikes on release days, uh, and looking at uh, the same period of days in each case. What I found is that, um, you can see this visually even on the graph, but for the period, uh, for the second half of the month, our Apple podcast listens were only, uh, what was the percentage? 61.9% of the listens for the first half. That's a drop of more than a third, almost two-fifths. And it hinges around that episode that released on the 14th.
1: Yeah, so up until this point, uh I'd really been watching the stats just because I'm weird with that sort of thing. I, I'll get on sports websites and just read stats for fun. I know it's kind of an odd thing to do. Um but uh I you know, I kind of always followed and compared our stats uh and and up to this point uh I mean since the inception of our podcast, even through the slower seasons, the year before we had been growing. I mean, and we would grow in kind of a series of, of climbing plateaus. We would have a burst of growth and then, and then it would level off for a few weeks and then we'd have a burst of growth and then it would level off for a few weeks and then we'd have a burst of growth. And that pattern had been going for at that point over, over a year. And, and just when we were experiencing our biggest growth, like, I mean, it was the, the, we, we were actually feeling like, "Okay, wow, this is going to be something where we get sponsors and all that it It really started to take off, and then right at the moment where it should have been the busiest for the season and we were at our 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 largest change in growth is when it just stopped and fell off and And again, like Brett said, we had been comparing months to months. And, uh, you know, one time of year, one period of a few months to a previous year's period of a few months. So until Brett looked at it and figured out what day it happened, I mean, and and I wouldn't have thought that you'd be able to do that because it felt like it should have been gradual. But again, other markets were growing. So the that and they kind of grew right at that moment. So the decrease in iTunes was hidden slightly by the increase in other areas. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty mind blowing to see like we could, we could define it by like a day, like after this episode release, our podcast changed dramatically.
0: Okay. I guess that's enough setup. Uh, no more dancing around it. The episode on the 14th of October, after which our iTunes listens, our Apple podcast listens, uh, have consistently decreased. It was episode MP thirty six, Invasion of the Slorchers. Great episode written by Matt. You should go check it out. Uh, downloaded a few times despite Apple Podcasts, if you please. That episode had a skit where we made fun of the humanitarian issues in China,
1: which wasn't anything that we were doing. Like very, you know, there was there was a lot of that going on uh, that week. Uh, that was the time uh or at least I'd been in, kind of inspired to work on this skit and in Brett too um where Daryl Morey uh the the general manager for the Houston Rockets an NBA team had uh put out a tweet that was critical of China and then and then all of these you know the NBA had this this uh kind of this moment uh where they they uh got real quiet and they and they spoke out against Daryl Morey uh even though he was pointing out uh you know very problematic humanitarian issues you know kind of these crises or crises that were taking place over in china and uh it, it kind of opened the door for criticism to some of these big corporations um and so we were we weren't writing anything that was you know profound or that wasn't being said in other areas um, but from that moment, and it's funny because the joke in the in the episode uh, was that I had inadvertently offended China and therefore ruined ruined the podcast. Which I didn't realize I was uh, prophesying anything at that point. I thought I was just making a stupid joke.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course we can't really prove that this is the reason. Why are stats tanked in October, but the correlation is pretty striking. Uh Like you said earlier, our stats took a hit in that second half of the month, uh, but after that, it's just been like a degenerative d- disease ever since then, with just we're bleeding Apple Podcast listens every month. Just a little bit more, almost like we're getting strangled out of that marketplace. And it had gotten our conspiracy theory hats tingling do hats tingle? These do um, before. But we didn't take seriously this idea that we could be getting censored by Apple Podcasts for talking about China until it occurred to me to look at the content of these episodes in October and try and tie it to our specific content.
1: Yeah, and it, you know, it's weird to think that a small podcast like ours would be able to get any kind of specific attention. So I don't think it's really like that. Now, now when it comes to coding and the 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 world of computers, it's all it's all uh, you know, fairy tales and and voodoo magic to me. But but I do understand that they can they can build al- algorithms that will, you know, be able to parse through the content and and they they can they can flag things internally um, based on the content um so, so they could be doing this to, uh, you know, a lot of other podcasts. Um, any any podcast, really. Uh, I do think it is probably easier and simpler to do to the smaller podcast. Um, but you know, it was interesting. After Brett told me this, I I started googling just Apple, trying to figure out Apple's relationship with China a little bit. And Apple had really uh been been betting on China as being, uh, you know, kind of this big big portion of their future. Um, being, you know, a huge market for them. So there's there's a lot of incentive for for uh, China or for Apple to kind of out to China. And it's also interesting that Brett found this out the same week that uh, some people had discovered the NBA store wasn't allowing you to, uh, you, you could put fuck the police or fuck Hong Kong on the back of an NBA jersey in their store and have it customized and sent to you, but you couldn't put free Hong Kong on the back of an NBA jersey. They might have rectified that by now, so if you went to the NBA store and tried to customize it now, it might be different. But there were several national radio shows where that had gotten picked up on. And uh so so there that that's just evidence that there are these major corporations out there that are um that are kind of shifting their core or direct or manipulating uh free speech. Um because of the, the profitability of, uh, and viability of business in China.
0: Right. And this week I also saw that uh, it was on Reddit. There were people posting about these leaked drone photos of uh, the Uyghur uh, concentration camps. I don't think it was of concentration camps. It was a bunch of people getting rounded up on trains or something like that. And supposedly um, Chinese investment in Reddit is very substantial. Um, and it was, Reddit was accused of censoring these posts, and that's one of the things that got me thinking about this in regards to our own podcast. Um, uh, now bear with us, Monstrobators, we're almost wrapping up here, I think, and we'll get on to the, uh, the weird fiction, uh, although this is pretty weird in itself, uh, if you're here for dystopian tales, we're living one, basically.
1: Um, this is weird, and it and it definitely is, or definitely could be fiction. Now, I mean, we can't prove any of this, like, absolutely. But I think if anybody else were in our position and looked at the data that we can look at through our website, through iTunes Connect, through Chartable, through all of the sources out there that you can try to pull podcast stats for, um, it, it's actually kind of difficult to really track everything. um. The only conclusion that we can come to is this, because nothing else has really changed. We've always had a good Brett. What's the term for it? Um, where people uh will listen to a majority of our show. That's always been really good. I mean, we we uh, consumption rating. We get people listening to far over fifty percent of every episode uh, on average, and all of those those kind of stats have kind of remained the same. um, Positive reviews for the most part. Uh you know great consumption rating, uh, good ratings um you know and 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 the the only change and it was literally it just pivoted at that point from that day was a steady and consistent decrease in Apple podcast listens.
0: Again, I don't want to undersell this. This podcast has actually been struggling for quite a long time because of this decrease in stats. iTunes was easily, easily our biggest market, and to see those that random, uh, that random traffic, uh, just diminished to almost nothing, has just been strangling the life out of this show. And there have been several times, particularly through this last spring, where Matt and I sat down and had to seriously discuss whether this was a worthwhile time investment anymore if we couldn't turn this around somehow. Now, we've always kind of expected that some sort of censorship in some form would come down upon us, because you know what we are. You've listened to this show. We're called Monster Porn Podcast. And we've done things in our episodes that we're not proud of. I mean, we we write things all the time where I'm thinking, you know, if if we get trouble for this, all I can do is say that's fair. We, we did just do that. But the fact that what could have come to bite this podcast was simply calling attention to the fact that there are concentration camps allegedly going on in another country right now, on the other side of this world. Or perhaps the, the protests in Hong Kong. Maybe that's what it was about. The fact that it could be that that came back to bite us should
2: just be filling us with righteous fury, honestly. We
0: made this show as our shot to get somewhere as creative writers, and it looked like it might take off for a little while there. And the fact that it could be criticizing goddamn concentration camps that nearly killed us,
2: that's just terrible um so
1: you know if this if we had realized this sooner we would we would have been blowing up the internet with just anything we could to say you know hey like this is happening this is terrible but we've kind of had this nine month or so period of of just getting used to the the you know the, the listens going away and that sort of thing and uh And so, um, maybe maybe some of the passion we would have had uh, initially um, isn't there, but it's still. I mean, it's one of the most in this time where internally within America we've got so many movements and things and people crying for you know their voices to be heard, and it's supposed to be such an American ideal to be able to speak your mind. And even though we did make a joke about Apple blowing. Uh, China, you know, alleyway. Uh, <laughs> still, they're 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 a big company. They can handle that. They shouldn't be petty. But we, and that's not why. You know, making a joke about Apple isn't isn't what got us in trouble. It is the fact that we criticized. You know that when the when the NBA had their issues, China was threatening to pull all of their support of the NBA which would have been dumb to China because, you know, where do you think all the shoes and jerseys and crap that the NBA wear get made? Um, but th- that that threat had the NBA terrified, you know, that all their new television contracts and all their big money was going to dry up. Um, so China is just in, unstable enough to use that fear to manipulate these corporations, and the corporations don't care. They just see the dollar signs. Um <sighs> And so, and I, and I sound like a nut saying all of this, I realize because I'm really like, I'm, I'm not a very conspiratorial minded person. Uh, But again, there's nothing else that we can look at and believe is like we, we, we made and we were nervous when we made the episode that making fun of China was going to hurt our podcast, even though we made the episode about a joke about China or about making fun of China hurting our podcast. And it's just mind blowing. That we actually are seeing that happen, I mean, because we didn't think it was a real possibility, it didn't even seem real, uh, and it's it's pretty shocking to to feel that
0: So are we going to stay on Apple
2: Podcasts?
0: I think we are. Uh, it's not our job to punish our listeners and make it hard to access our content. Apparently, that's Apple's job uh but we will point out that we are also on Spotify, uh, all of the other big podcast apps. Also our full episodes are on YouTube. If you guys would like to subscribe to us there, you can always get us that way. Um, but I won't say don't use Apple Podcasts. In fact, you know, give this algorithm the finger. Go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, download each episode, download each episode five times. That's, uh, you know, show them. Anyway, uh, I suppose it should be said that uh, in the things that we said about China and the uh, rather tasteless jokes that we made about Chinese culture, it isn't our intent to insult Chinese culture or the uh, average individual uh, person living in China. Uh, Far from it. Uh, But It's the job of the Joker to call attention to things in the world that aren't right. And that's how you deal with them, with humor. So, please keep that in mind, because it seems pretty obvious to me that the only honorable course of action from here, made probably easier by the fact that we're probably already uh, up the creek uh, for having done this once before, is to double down. The world is a strange place, Matt. Third strangest plane I'm aware of.
1: 2020 is a strange year.
0: It's like everything we've learned to trust about the institutions surrounding us has been
1: a lie. And no joke, it's like it's all propaganda. Huh. Good lord, listen to me. It's sound like some kind of weird conspiracy wackadoo.
0: You're right, though. It's like everything we were taught as children was part of a larger, systematic lie that was being perpetrated by the very beings we were taught to love.
1: And know the government steals our data. We have a pandemic which may have been created in a lab funded by our government. There are riots in the streets over systematic issues, cracks in the very foundation of our society, and battles are being fought over social justice that has been hijacked by Marxists, all the while we're being taught simultaneously to fear capitalism and socialism.
0: And there's death and desolation across the realities. An unparalleled disease.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, there is A holocaust
0: that is happening right under our very noses. A holo- The undulating squid beings have transcended the wavelength of the barrier of the Akashic Plains ushering in the Seventh Age.
1: Is that where your head travels to when you shove it up your own ass?
0: Yes! There is only one being who could sow seeds of chaos so subtly as to go entirely undetected.
1: Uh, yeah, our podcast is fun and all, but you are giving the pig way too much credit.
0: I've long speculated, but now I'm quite sure that spicy bear beast
1: Pangu has returned. Mmm, dude, that sounds tasty. Do they serve it at P.F. Chang's?
0: Matt, we haven't the time. Come, step inside my cape.
1: Ow, dude, what what are you- Dude, get off of me! Shh, Matt. We have need of haste. Why are your arms so freakishly long? Now I'm wrapped inside of your cape. It's dark in here. It smells like cheese. Shush, Matt. Ah, oh, dude, you can stop petting my head.
0: Azerath? Metrion? Xynthos.
1: My God,
0: Brett. We're in New York. Yes. I'm sorry. I've been
1: working on disapparating. What? Brett, after all that shit you talked about, Harry Potter, how dare you? Oh, oh god, Brett, Brett, let me go! Oh god, there's something in here with me! Ah, inside
3: of your cape! Oh, 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 oh hey, hey, you, you thought you were going on a little vacay, huh? Did you? Oh, 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 oh more like a fake with you two. Uh, you were inside of Brett's cape? You, uh, you don't really think it was him who got us here, do you?
1: Uh, why? Why do you have Patrick's jar, and why is there no head in it? Puggles, where
3: is Patrick? Uh, yeah, 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 about that. Hold on.
1: Hey, everyone.
3: Hey, uh, see, there he is. Happy, back in his jar. So, uh, what are you two up to? Why are we, uh, why are we in New York? Did you just, oh, God. Uh, uh. Oh,
1: Puggles, never oh, do whatever you just did. Never again. Never.
0: We're here to see Pengu, the bear spirit who became the primordial man. The word is that he's manifested in our age, and his influence is growing. That is why we are here, Pig. Why are you here?
3: Because you two made fun of China and it's inconvenient for my schedule? I don't want to have to file the paperwork. You guys complain about having to file an extension... Under taxes. Imagine filing paperwork for the destruction of worlds! My accountant sees everything. He has eyes. Lots of eyes. The red tape.
1: I'm telling you. Yeah, and what does NYC have to do with that?
0: We are being invaded. Invaded by the spirit of Pengu. And now he's become strong enough to manifest physically.
1: If he's a powerful spirit, does he still have to use a port city?
0: Immigration law is law.
1: Yeah, but where is he? There. That is a P.F. Changs. But even if it is, I mean, how are we supposed to get close to him? Surely some important deity would have protection.
0: Step inside my cape.
1: Not a chance. You heard the man. (laughs) Get in there. Oh, Oh, God, Puggles, get your tentacles off of me. Brett, stop petting my head. Azerath Metrion Zinthos! Hmm. I love the smell of PF Chang. It reminds me of sweet perfume. Who? What?
3: Oh Christ!
1: Is that the General Secretary of China serving American children in, in wontons with sweet and sour sauce to Oh god, are those demons? Oh god! Why is he cooking American children?
0: It was cheaper than importing Muslims or Buddhists.
3: Stop that, Puggles! Puggles, do something! Oh, oh okay. Uh, yeah. Let's see. What am I gonna do? Uh, I'll uh, I'll have the general South pre uh, mm. with two uh spicy toddler egg rolls. What do you mean there's a one-child policy? What kind of cheap shit is this?
0: Pangu, I see through your facade and I know your true bear-man identity. Come forth.
3: Wait, you don't want to do that. I I know this guy, hey, hey, clear your heads. Whatever you think about is what he'll become. My god, he's already changing form. Oh, what the shit
0: did you do? Huh, what? It wasn't me. My mind was clear as, clean as a fresh diaper.
1: Yeah, uh, it wasn't me. What? Why are you looking at me like that? What did you do, Matt? Oh, God. Oh, God, I'm sorry, but when I look at the guy, I just can't help but think of Winnie the Pooh watching it with my grandmother on Sunday afternoons when I was a kid.
0: The dove that sleeps beneath the sea the hipster with mutton chops muttered over and over as he rushed through the darkness with his father's gun. He'd seen it in dreams for weeks, and it got better every time he dreamed it. The first time, it had come out of the sea like a white Loch Ness monster and ate him. The second time, he stood on the cliff over the sea, and there was a person he couldn't see clearly, and she killed him with a gun. The next time... He shot first, but she survived and threw him from the cliff to his death. By the fifth or sixth time he dreamed it, he did not die at all. As it went on, the girl became clearer, and there came a time she did not get away, but he killed her, and it was the most thrilling dream he ever dreamed. The dove that sleeps beneath the sea, he muttered and stumbled among the yuccas and the prickly pears. He knew this wasn't a dream, because he had never dreamed of yuccas and prickly pears. A string of blinking airline jets came in through the late hours high in the west over the ocean. He remembered a girl named Susan, who used to work in a coffee shop in Jackson Hole in Wyoming, when he stayed there in his van. She was raven-haired, wore a bike shop shirt. The coffee shop smelled like chai, and so in his mind, so did she.
2: He wished his life had been different. He wondered
0: how, sometimes. You could love a woman you never really knew. Was it evidence of past lives? Had he loved another her in another time, in another flesh? The skeptic in him held that it just meant he was a creep and all too ready to latch on to a cute girl who smiled at him a few times and chatted about the best backcountry of the Tetons. He didn't know why all this flashed on him now. It may have been his life flashing before his eyes, in case it shook out more like the earlier dreams than like the later dreams. God, he hoped there wasn't an effing dinosaur. Did the fact that he flashed on Susan the barista mean that this was the kernel of his life? Its most representative moment, its summary. He supposed the motif of the missed opportunity really did nail it. It nailed it right home. The mutton-chop man screamed and tore another prickly pear out of his ankle. He charged on toward the ocean. Perhaps this was suicide.
2: He supposed he was fine with that, really. He did wish it had
0: all turned out differently. What if he had stayed another week in Jackson and took Susan out? What if he had built another life, gotten out of his van, rented a place in Jackson, gotten a park job, or been a waiter or something until he could figure something out? What if he had stayed the F away from California? Damned California and his damned family. He didn't know them shit. The worst part is he had run his life into the ground for almost nothing. No gratitude, few results, and absolutely no respect. He could hear the waves, and soon he was perched upon the cliff, looking out over the ocean, which, unlike the world, was not asleep at 3 a.m. It chugged and churned and whooshed. A blue-green fire burned in its heart.
2: He stood fascinated. The dove lies down to sleep, he muttered. He checked his dad's gun and unfixed the safety. He got down on the ground and watched the beach.
0: He'd seen enough History Channel to know a lot about UFOs. He recalled an episode about underwater UFOs. The experts called them USOs and assumed that was what he was seeing. He thought a lot about the History Channel and UFOs and ancient aliens since the first time that he saw one. He bet that was what was happening again. He bet the dream had come from it, from the first time.
2: The sea fell black, and it calmed.
0: Minutes later, a smallish adult human being walked calmly out of the sea. She didn't swim, just stepped out of the waves. It was her, clearer now, as clear as she was now real. The girl in the priest get-up, the girl he had to kill. He only knew her from the dreams. He only knew what he had to do. He did not know the urban legend. It wasn't on the history channel, as far as he saw. They say that the pastoress comes by night, and if you see the pastorus in the night, despair, for you have wandered far, far beyond salvation's reach. The pastoress thought about Naomi. She had done so through the passage of 47 light years. The urgency had not diminished as she rose from the tumbling waves of the night-black sea and the salty water poured from her hair down her pale face. Her pilgrimage to meet the sage called Elan-O'aash had been intended to be Naomi's salvation, but she had been blind. She should not have left Naomi alone, not well impacted. She had hurried to earth as quickly as the limitations of her ship, the Peristeron, had permitted. But it did not feel soon enough. Naomi's blood, like the blood of many others, would soon be on her head. But this
2: one, she had not meant to kill. This one, she
0: had meant to save. Not long after they had met, Naomi sat in the passenger seat of the abandoned car the pastors had commandeered as they drove in the night. Early on, before the impacting had progressed, Naomi had been different, sunny. She was a painter studying art at the community college and teaching yoga on the side. But that was the impacting. It robbed all things of joy. And not only Naomi's joy, but what joy the pastoress had had in her, had drained with the light from Naomi's face. So why does an intergalactic killer carry an Earth gun? Aren't there, like, cool space guns or something? Naomi wondered buckled into the moth-eaten seat and watching the reflective lines fly by. The pastures detected a whiff of what she understood as humor, as it is known to the humans, but in its fainter form of irony. She wasn't sure she should smile, so she did not. Naomi, on the other hand, had smiled a moment, almost hopefully, but it had gone in a flash and now she looked sad staring at the road.
2: There are other guns, the pastures confirmed.
0: Earth weapons are special, Namie. It was important to choose the most unpleasant of handheld weapons available. Nowhere else in populated worlds do the inhabitants take such great measures toward the harm of their own species as on Earth. Few races would think to drive small pieces of metal through their enemies using small contained explosions. It is almost unthinkably cruel in its simplicity, and almost elegant in its unquestioning brutality. Where other worlds tase or stun or restrain, the people of you force pellets of brass into each other's flesh until dead. In war, there are worlds that explode the enemy, poison the enemy, electrocute the enemy, even to death. But guns, swords, it takes a human to think of these things, does it not?" Naomi stared out the passenger window, hiding her face from the pastoress. The pastoress waited for Naomi to speak again, and wondered that no cheer returned. It occurred to her slowly that her answer had not been an inspiring one. She recognized she did not know how to converse with humans, not outside of her business killing them. At least we're good at something, Naomi said after a few moments. Then she turned to the pastoress, as if to check her reaction. A faint smile began to play on Naomi's face. Maybe we hold the title for internal violence, okay, but... Have you tried the waffles? Naomi pointed to a squat building that still had its lights on. It was a 24-hour diner. Should I? The pastor said slowly. Do you eat? Naomi asked. Half a minute later, as Naomi slammed the car door in the parking lot, she started again.
2: Look, there are a lot of things that are... Beautiful
0: and wonderful and hopeful about the human race, too, you know. I choose to focus on those things. There are beautiful books and works of art, wonderful architecture, wonderful people, even. The pastoress' recollection ended abruptly as she heard a decidedly human laugh and a bullet torn to her face. Back in the city... In a half-lit apartment. Naomi waited in the folding chair that normally served as her only dining table chair, but which had now been moved to the foot of the bed near the open door of the bathroom. The vanity lights cast a dim and angular glow into the bedroom. The nightlight issued warm illumination from the opposite corner of the room. She could see into the kitchen where the trash was overflowing. Some of it was composed of her canvases. Art she could no longer stomach to look at. The old style was sunny New Age stuff. Yogis and yoginis with radiant chakras and alive with energy. Mandalas. Tie-dye patterned yin-yangs. It had never sold well, and her professors scoffed at it as kitsch. Not art. The few she sold, she sold through the New Age store downtown. And not for more than about $50 a piece. Bargain basement for handmade art pieces. New style didn't sell well either, but at least the professors approved of it. That was good, but she hated it even still that they should approve now, because it was an art born of misery, canvases of browns and desaturated reds and amorphous shadows. It was what she felt like on the inside, what she had seen when the implementer had touched her with its bleeding eye. She wanted to cry. But she felt like it would be a show for someone, and there was no one there to cry for. There was no need to cry for help. She loved that the pastoress was gone. She also resented that the pastoress was gone. She wasn't human anyway. She barely had emotions. She was designed to kill, not to make friends. Still, she resented the abandonment. Even if the pastoress had been made a being capable of feeling having abandoned her, would have made it clear that she didn't care what happened to Naomi. Naomi had been staring through to the far wall of the kitchen, where an orange light reflected from outside. Now she lowered her eyes to her hand and watched with droll amusement as she rattled a bottle of pills. She chuckled once and then sobbed. (laughs) The band played Only the Lonely. It was the same duo from that night. Hunter sat at the bar with a book and a notebook and a beer and listened to the big man Janos and the wheelchair woman Miri play on the riser across the room. It was getting on closing time, and he was almost alone with the band, which was okay. Only the bartender had to put up with his face. She seemed sympathetic. Cute, too and Hunter liked that. She didn't avoid looking him in the eye when he called for a beer, despite the acid burns. She'd stay and talk a minute, too, sometimes. She probably thought he was a vet or something. What else could explain missing an arm and having half of a face that resembled breakfast sausage? He wanted to tell her, Trinity, the bartender, what had really happened. That he had had a knife fight with an alien defending Naomi but letting her suspect he was a vet was enough and didn't strain the credulity. Hunter's left hand rested on the book with a half-empty beer bottle just past his relaxed fingertips. He stared at the beer bottle like he had a beef with it. Trinity's voice startled him. He hadn't realized she was watching.
2: You can't refill it with your mind, honey, she said and laughed. If only, Hunter said, laughing with her,
0: She was nice and he liked her, but she wasn't the one on his mind. Though there was nothing wrong with her, and for him, she would even be a catch, it was Naomi to whom his thoughts kept returning. It had been weird the last few times he saw her. She'd visited in the hospital. He'd lost an arm and half a face trying to save her from the night priest and the implementer they encountered that night behind the bar. And she acted like she could hardly look at him. It was almost like she resented him for his sacrifice. He had fought for her because he had feelings for her, and he felt like he had lost any shot he might have with her for it.
2: It was cruel irony. There had
0: been intimations in the conversation between the pastress and the wheelchair woman, Miri, who was also weird, that there was something more to human beings than most people knew, that there was a secret. Hunter furrowed his brow and stretched his fingers toward the beer bottle, a mere centimeter away. He could already feel the cold of the condensation on the glass. Trinity wasn't paying attention anymore. Her back was turned, cleaning glasses. The music had stopped. The key was faith. Doubt would kill it. That's what the book said. He focused on how the condensation on the bottle would feel when it met his fingertips. Again, a voice startled him. This time he jumped in his seat. Hey, bud, Janos said, the guitar player. He'd come up behind Hunter. Hunter stared, perplexed at the bottle in his hand. Had he reached when he jumped and grabbed it? He couldn't be sure. He turned partway on the bar stool to look at Janos. What's up, man? He asked him. Thanks for coming out again. You're getting to be our number one fan. You're going to be our only fan, so we appreciate it. Yeah, man, is all Hunter said.
2: In a lower voice, Yanos said, So, have you seen her again? Hunter thought of
0: Naomi, but realized quickly he meant the pastoress. No, Hunter stammered. I haven't, not since that night here. It's rough knowing what else might be out there. Janos said. I hope you're doing all right, man. Hunter nodded. Anyway, bud, good to see you. We're about to wrap up. Might play one more. Janos slapped him on the shoulder blade and walked back to the stage. Hunter looked at the beer bottle in his hand and picked it up. The title of the book, which had been hidden from Trinity and from Janos by his arm, was revealed to be the secret power of us. Meanwhile, Naomi ran out of tears, but could still feel the lump in the back of her throat. She had the cap off the pill bottle. She observed, without much emotion left in her, that this was not how she saw it ending. It was almost funny, a joke, that her childhood and young adulthood should all lead to this, that this was her destiny.
2: If her five-year-old self had known, what would you think?
0: She'd be terribly disappointed. More than that, she'd be utterly horrified at that poor child playing with the tea set on the lawn, or go fish with the neighbor boy, or sitting in her dad's lap while he watched Law and & Order and covered her eyes for the dead people parts. Nothing and all that portended this. The bullet passed through the pastoress' head as if it were made of dumb ballistics gel. Her face began the process of reformation immediately. She ran for the cover of the cliff. She'd only be in serious danger, really, if he knew where to shoot or got remarkably lucky. But she didn't know what this ambush was or would be. Up on the hill, someone was cursing. No, this could hardly be a professional. But then why? Had she trespassed some human law, unaware?
2: Damn it, she swore, in the cleft of the rock. I do not have the time for this. Too much has already been wasted.
0: She readied her pistol and listened. Some rocks slid. She couldn't hear footsteps over the dull whoosh of the waves, but the rocks were almost certainly correlated to her attacker. She didn't know whether Naomi survived her absence, and now every moment seemed like it increased the ill odds to a factor she didn't want to risk. She couldn't know how right she was. She heard the rock slide just on the other side of the boulder and stood. The hipster kid had slid to a stop with his gun raised, shaking, outlined against the night. The pastoress stood from behind her cover with her gun likewise raised. Her core module, in her leg, remained behind the rock. Release the weapon of you, she commanded. He could see in the moon glow that her face was wrong. An eye was slightly smashed and offset to the side, and her cheekbone was high and large. Her face had not fully reformed, but he didn't know that. He didn't even know that he had hit her for sure. He shot again, aiming
2: for the heart. Damn the this, she muttered after taking the hit.
0: I will need thus to kill you. The gun was shaking in his hands and he shot again. When she took the bullet in the heart again and didn't fall,
2: he started saying fuck a lot. The pastoress grimaced.
0: I do not have the time for this. She stepped around the rock and briskly marched at the unknown man. He fired several rounds, each as ineffectual as the previous. When the pastoress got near enough, she grabbed his face in her hand, her fingers extending and wrapping around his skull as he screamed. The tips of her fingers became red strands of thread. There was a lot of white in his eyes. Her other hand held her gun at his chin, with her grip on his head. His gun arm went slack. Meanwhile, Muttonchop had given up trying to kill her for a moment. He was like the field mouse halfway in the snake's jaws, just resigned to the fact that he lost. But with her cold touch came something else. It felt like the dreams. This flash of insight, how it came to him seemingly from outside himself, and carried some sort of loaded implication of what he must do. He saw a little blue box in his mind's eye, and he had the strangest sense that it was inside the leg of her pants. As the pastoress looked into him, she saw it in an instant. He did not glow in her mind's eye like those impacted by the implementers, but he had seen one, and it had done something to him. Something new. A different sort of software had been loaded into his brain. One which would not show up on her radar, and different in its aim. Its aim was to kill her, or die trying. Because this man didn't glow and wasn't impacted in the traditional sense, it was not lawful for her to simply kill him. This poor asshat was a trap set by the Legion of Ota Asnash. And maybe this one was only a modest threat untrained and not understanding his own instinctual purpose. But she guessed there would be more. He would just be the first of a pitiable army of human pawns. Unknown now to her, the man planned at the first given opportunity to direct his pistol at the core module hidden in her calf, if she didn't kill him first. Naomi crawled into bed drawing the puffy comforter around her. For months now, all her thoughts circled back on one solution. She hadn't had hope for having anything good in her life for a while now, and part of her knew it was the influence of the implementer. But she also knew it didn't matter where the truth came from if it was true. The only way to avoid the future. She stifled another sob. On the bedstand, she had already placed a tall glass of water. In her hand, she had poured out the remainder of her pills. The only way to avoid the future was not to have one. That's quite a smile, Trinity said. Hunter looked up, grinning, in fact, unusually wide.
2: Sometimes it's the simple things, he told her, like just
0: the fact there's a beer in my hand. Mmm, she toned. We're closing up soon. Last call, Smiley. Hunter was more than a little swimmy. In his mind's eye, his physical eye literally sparkled at her with affection and loaded significance. Have you ever seen anything really weird?
2: He asked. I've seen some really weird things. She hesitated, but held on to a casual smile. Like,
0: what are you talking about? She had the feeling she might be seeing one of those things right now. Hunter's doofus grin morphed into a meaningful smirk. He tapped the cover of the book and was about to ask her if she believed in the power of mind over matter. But suddenly, Trinity's eyes snapped to something behind Hunter, and her mouth fell open ever so slightly. A hand in black leather glove appeared at Hunter's periphery, raising one finger. Trinity nodded and Hunter turned to find a woman all in black. And, oddly, it could have been the alcohol. He couldn't quite make out her face. Still, he could see by her profile she wasn't looking at him, even though he had the distinct sense she was. Hi, Hunter
2: tried. Hi, Smiles, she said. I hear you're a boy with potential. Her gloved hand went to the book. With just a little faith, I bet you
0: could move mountains. Do you ever feel like your life is a prison? Do you ever feel like it's time to organize your roommates for a jailbreak? Sorry, have we met? You'd remember me if we met.
2: I don't mean to sound cocky, but it's kind of how it
0: goes. I'm Hunter he said, offering his hand. She released the book and reached for him. Her seemingly featureless face turned to face him for the first time. It didn't get any less foggy.
2: I know, Smiles. My name is
0: Nemesis. There was another sound of movement in the rocks. This broke the pastoress' attention away from her assailant long enough that he could raise his pistol again. To her horror, his aim went right for her core module. She resolved to kill the man only an instant before he was already dead. Red spray burst from his temple and he fell to the rocks. The pastoress turned, leveling her gun, and beheld a robot. It was a treaded platform with an armored onboard computer unit and an upright mechanical arm. It also had a mounted rifle lower down, and several various instruments. She fired on it. Its armored plate sparked with the shots, but it was not deterred. It did not shoot back. Instead, a compartment opened, and an electromagnetic blast dropped her to the ground. After several minutes, there came more footsteps in the rocks, and two men outfitted like a SWAT team moved in head to toe in black body armor, their faces hidden in helmets. These uniforms were unmarked. Eyes on the package, one said. Cover, said the other, and the first stopped and held the collapsed form of the girl under gunpoint as the second edged closer. He sat down and opened a black steel box.
2: Then he drew a machete. Tell Pinker we've got her, he said.
0: With a determined slash, her lower leg was severed from her knee. "'No bones, just like we heard,' he muttered. He dropped the lower leg into the box, closed the lid, and latched it. He stood and turned to the other. "'Get the rest of it cleaned up. Bag it for research.' "'What about this, twerp?' the other wondered. "'Clean that up, too. Make it look like he went into the wild on us or something.' The enemy's use of this guy was exactly what we needed for this breakthrough. We'll have a drink for the poor bastard later. You got it, sir. Get Venever down here. I'm taking it back. Yes, sir. He took up the black box by the handle and headed for the trailhead at the base of the cliff. He glanced back at the maimed and senseless mimicry of a teenage girl crumpled in the stones, almost sinking into them, he thought. At the base of the trail, he met the other man, Benever coming down. He was not in SWAT gear, but a blue FBI windbreaker. The first man only nodded. But never only smiled. The significance was clear. They got it. But then there was a scream. The other man,
2: left by the leftovers. What's that? Cried one. The
0: other was looking back toward the beach. No, look up! He did, and the sky was teeming with things. The enemy is with us, he muttered. A creature swooped, formless as the night, and reaching for the box, swatted it instead from the agent's hand. It racked against the rocks and fell open on the ground. The men were shooting and running, but the agent in charge was scrambling to recover the case. Instead, a long finger wrapped around his neck, and he looked up into the depths of a seething, bloody eye like an insect's. It bloomed and a blue appendage reached for him from its heart. Something like a human foot, but with really long, nimble toes crawled out of the box like a spider. The pastress thought only of Naomi. Her enemy had inadvertently granted her a second chance. She had much to make up for, and she would make the most of it. An implementer came down from the sky and fumbled for her foot-creature body. Once it had her and tried to take her up into the sky, but she fell again when it bumped against another and both trailed after her, tendrils flailing with desire to capture. The pasturus, such as she was, rolled across the beach. Out in the dark waited the remains of the rest of her prosthetic body, lifeless as mud, as helpless as a doll. She skittered toward it with her long, articulated toes. There was much gunfire. Sirens could begin to be heard. Far away, and also in the din, a helicopter. A high, inhuman shriek seemed to come through it all from the swarm. The soft heft of an implementer slammed into a boulder as the pastor evaded its swoop. Another fumbled over the first that now came in between it and her, and was robbed momentarily of its senses from the impact. She neared her former flesh. Beside it were several open boxes and a tray of tools and a work lamp set up, but not yet ignited. Something drove her into the ground, a military boot. She writhed as the man glared down with slime on his dinged helmet and the open steel box tucked under his arm. Naomi lay back, got comfortable one last time, and closed her eyes. The empty pill bottle stood over her on the bedstand. But she found it difficult to resign herself now to sleep's embrace. Every storm and torment of her mind surged forward for a final rally as she clenched her jaw and told herself she was hearing it all for the last time. There was a tentacle planted right across the agent's face as the implementer attempted to shove him away while also trying to pull the pasturist from his grip. The man had his fingers pressed into her and clamped down on the core module. The implementer's tentacles strove to release this grip, failing to find traction on the flesh, which the pastress allowed to decoagulate into something like jello. The man had another tentacle wrenched in his other hand, trying to contort it away from himself. The two wrestled, arching back from each other to form a V with the pastress caught in the middle. Suddenly she could feel Naomi's glow far, far away. She was alive. There was still time. But she had to get out of this somehow. In all the chaos, there ought to be a way, but all sides were honed in on her. There was an explosion. The sky lit up orange from the west over the ocean. The helicopter noise was lost in the blast, and soon the fuselage came crashing down on the beach, with a squid like organism tangled up in the blades and another jammed halfway through a break in the cabin windshield. It slammed down with more fire and a racket throwing stones and steel, close enough that both the implementer and the man had to scramble to make clear. The pastures remained in the man's hand. She grew teeth between her toes and clamped down into his gloved hand. He did not let up. Of course, she thought. It was a card she hadn't wanted to play and so hadn't even thought of the possibility. But this situation had gotten far out of hand, and compromising it had to be on the table now. She spoke in silence to the peristeron. The sea lit up in blue. It rose like a seabird from the waves, water draining from its wide, narrow wings and its nose like a great angular beak. The man stopped and stared. Fire began to rain down. The things in the air began to scream and spiral with redoubled fury as the men took cover, and the man who had the pastures found himself consumed in conflagration. Naomi's breath grew shallow, and she became afraid. The grasp of blackness began to embrace her, and she could feel the faintness creeping up.
2: It had her now, and there'd be no resisting it. She had stepped up to
0: the cliff, and now that her feet were over, there was no going back. She tried to open her eyes, and the world spun and blurred and merged into an insensible mass. The pastoress, rejoined to her provisional flesh and having resumed the form of a girl, marched quickly through the aftermath up the steep grade of the cliff. As she crested and raised her eyes to the lights of the distant city, that's when she felt Naomi's infected glow flicker and vanish, falling indiscernible in the night. In the dark, something darker grew. The shoulders of the dead girl jerked with her spasm. Spittle trailed from a mouth that should have taken its last breath. As now there came a wet, struggling gasp. Naomi's spine wrenched under the covers. Her arm threw them off. She sat up, still unaware of what befell her. But having sat up, one could see that her back was longer now, and the nodes of her vertebrae pressed up against her skin. She screamed as the bones of her arms grew longer. The skin of her shoulders broke from within and blood poured forth. Black, stone-like projections erupted from her shoulders. She opened her eyes, golden now,
2: and glowing like a cat's. Some, the
0: pastors had said, of those infected, were destined to another fate. The night priests, as she called them, They vowed to persist toward the end of ushering others from the misery of life into the rest of death before partaking of the rest for one's own. They were hardy, hard to kill things. Now Naomi looked out on the universe with a perverse amalgamation of bitterness and compassion. It had been selfish to end her own misery alone. While so many pitiable lives still burned like faint and dying stars, in the encroaching night. Hey,
1: why, why are we suddenly running through the streets of New York in Ghostbusters uniforms? Not Ghostbusters, Matt.
3: Hey, huh, huh, run faster. That's why. We're Poobusters. There, there. The statue! Lady... Lady Liberty?
0: We need a
3: symbol. Yeah, something
0: unifying. Something for
3: freedom. Something for America.
0: You know she's French, right? Ooh la
3: la! It's
1: not like we could do what they did in Ghostbusters 2 and cover this thing in some kind of slime that's gonna bring it to life.
3: Oh! Oh, you wanna bet? Hey, yeah! Oh, yeah! Oh, oh, yeah! Woo! Yeah, me, baby, yeah! Here, give it to me, me! Woo! Yeah, baby! Oh, 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 oh! Ah! Oh, my. I think I'm gonna be sick. Again. Oh yeah, live, live. Call him Slammer, I guess. Oh yeah. Oh, I'd be the best I ever had if I could find a cigarette and have somebody make me a sandwich. The Statue of Liberty is moving.
0: She's reaching her hand out to us.
3: Step inside, ladies. Look, over
0: there. A 300 foot tall Winnie the Pooh is tearing apart Brooklyn. My God.
3: What the fuck, church do you go to? My me? <laughs> Onward, green lady. Seriously, get that rump humping. I think my magic only works for about 10 more minutes. Get it moving. That's what she said. What did she tell you?
1: Look at the city lights. Aren't they just beautiful, Buggy Pooh? Patrick, Jesus, you scared me. I forgot you were here. We're approaching the bear.
0: I suspect we are witnessing the General Secretary's true form.
3: But, uh, backward hat guy over here, he's, uh, he was thinking about Winnie the
0: Pooh. He's always thinking about Winnie the Pooh. It doesn't mean anything. Oh, bother.
3: What in the hell is he doing?
0: Dear, dear, is that you, Piglet?
3: Oh, fuck you, fluffy fat shit.
0: He
1: doesn't even seem to be aware of the statue. Did you take my honeypot, Piglet? He has no fear of it, my God! The ruler of China no longer fears Lady Liberty.
0: Oh my. There she is. There is my honeypot. He's noticed her now.
1: Uh, his finger's going under. It's going under. Oh, gee, wellikers! I get it. Honeypot! Oh Jesus. That's all we've become to to China, just a fat fucking honey pot to feed upon and make itself stronger. But what happens when we run out of honey? He's lifting the dress.
0: My god, is this an anatomically correct statue or what? Woohoo! Hey, we're bending over.
1: It's like a carnival
3: ride. How can a stuffed animal get so hard? Uh. Ah!
2: Ah!
1: Oh, uh, mm, the Empire State Building has such a good view. <laughs> Look at all those oh little warm bodies moving around down there. Oh, oh, oh my. Oh, <laughs> oh, Lady Liberty is doing a oh, live show. I thought I was in New York City. Oh, oh not Amsterdam. oh. oh! Monster Porn Podcast is made in America, where the speech is free and we are the unfortunate consequence of that. Today's story was pastorous. We will be changed by Brett Norwood. Music by him too.
0: Good day, Monster Baters, Brett here. If you enjoyed this episode of Monster Porn Podcast, make sure you're subscribed on your preferred podcast app. And be sure to leave us a rating and review in the People's Democratic Dictatorship of Podcasts. Every bit of support helps. Check out our blog at monsterpornpodcast.com for my article on The Whole China Thing. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch and get bonus monster pornage. We've also got a store at monsterpornpodcast.com where you can find t-shirts, phone cases, stickers, and the Moms Love Monster Porn mug. Shout out to Montcipator Joseph in Michigan, who is baking cookies and sent us a picture, but not the actual cookies. Why do you torture us, you sociopath? That's it, until the shark angels come, in the day that the finger-headed giant shall roam the earth. Stay weird, and Godspeed, strange cowboy.
1: Today's story is pastorous We'll... That's not it. <laughs> Good day, Monster Baiters. Welcome to Monster Porn. The Monster Porn that doesn't get you hard in the body, but in the heart. It was supposed to be stiff. Does that really matter? <laughs> I
3: don't
1: know. <laughs> is one more insulting than the other? But first, we'd like to direct your attention once again to the graphic novel Mr. Guy, Zombie Hunter, from our friends at Onishi Press. Oneshi. Damn it, (laughs) I said it wrong.
0: I almost didn't want to correct you because I didn't want to stop.
1: Yep. (laughs) We'd like to direct your attention once again at the graphic novel Mr. Guy, Zombie Hunter, from our friends at Onishi Press. Damn it!
3: (laughs) I
0: never thought it. I know, I always want to say Onishi too. I
1: don't know why, yeah. Oneshi. Battles are being fought over <laughs> I know where I stand on that battle
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That has been hijacked by Marxists all the while being <laughs>
0: Matt, we haven't any time Come What? <laughs> <laughs> Her pilgrimage to meet the sage called Elan O'ash had been intended to be Nomi's... Uh, her pilgrimage to meet the sage called Ela. Ela, Ela, Ela A, 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 A. Umbrella, brella, brella.